Well, hello there. This is Evangelist Timothy Gruber here at the Word of the King. Holiness Bibles for the Blind. Ecclesiastes chapter 8 verse 4 tells us that where the Word of the King is, there is power. And we may say unto him, What doest thou? And today, on the Word of the King, uh, my brother Kay Wolfgang is going to bring forth a message to you, straight from the infallible, inerrant, perfect, preserved Word of God. Uh, I pray now, may the incredible seed of the Word of God, which liveth in the body forever, by the power of the Holy Spirit, minister to your soul. Lord Jesus, it's that time again when I need your help. Lord Jesus, when I need your help to preach your word, when I need your help to preach like it may be my last time. Because, Lord, it may just be my last time. And, Lord Jesus, need your help to help those listening. For it may be their last time listening. Help them to listen and be attentive to this message as if it may be their last time listening. Lord, as we get ready to continue this series of the life of Abraham as he learned to take and allow you, Jesus, to take the wheel in his life. So, Lord Jesus, as we get ready here to continue in part two, Lord Jesus, we ask you, Lord Jesus, to help us now. We give you the wheel, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right. Now, Tim, we're going to have you get ready to pick us up where we left off in our last Word of the King episode, Genesis in Genesis chapter 13, we ended with chapter 12 and the last verses of that. So we're going to pick up in Genesis chapter 13. We'll be starting in verse 1. But before we do, we're going to go back to kind of what will be our theme song through these uh, messages by, uh, what was her name again? Right? Carrie Underwood. The theme song that kind of uh, hinted at this um, message the Carrie Underwood song, Jesus, Take the Wheel, because just as this lady had to learn to finally relinquish the wheel of her vehicle and get her life back on track, Abraham had to learn to get his life finally and turn it over to Jesus. And even then, even though he was noted as a man of faith, <laughs> We're going to find throughout the life of Abraham, <laughs> uh, he himself failed. Even till practically the day of his death, he messed up. So we're going to see that as we continue through this. But here we find that song by Carrie Underwood that we're using as kind of our theme song, Jesus Take the Wheel.
daddy on a snow white Christmas Eve Going home to see your mama and her daddy with the baby in the back seat. Fifty miles to go and she was running low on faith and gasoline. It'd been a long, hard year. She had a lot on her mind and she didn't pay attention. She was going away too fast. And before she knew it, she was spinning on a thin black sheet of glass. She saw both her lives. Before her eyes She didn't even have time to cry She was so scared She threw her hands up in the air Jesus, take the wheel Take it from my hands Cause I can't do this on my own I'ma let it go So give me one more chance Tim, we're going to start at Genesis 13 and verse 1 of that chapter. In, of course, a King James Bible. Not as Ruthie ended up being exposed to the nasty little toilet, but the real McCoy. So let us go into the real word, the real food. 
And let us see how Abraham had to learn to let Jesus take the wheel. Uh, well, we're going to do like we did before. We're just going to kind of take it as we did before. And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, all over the yard, and Lot with him into the south. Abram was very rich in cattle, silver, and in gold. He went on his journeys from the south even to Bethel. But in the place where his tent had been hidden, between Bethel and High, unto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first, there Abram called on the name of the Lord. The Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. The lamb was not able to bear it, that they might dwell together. Their substance great so that they could not dwell together. There was a strike between the herdmen of Abram's cattle, herdmen of Lot's cattle. Canaanite and the Hitlerite dwell then in the land. Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strike, I pray thee, between me and thee. We my herdmen and thy herdmen, we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. Thou wilt take the left hand, and I will go to the right. Where thou depart to the right hand, and I will go to the left. Lot lifted up his eyes, and behold, and beheld all the plain of Jordan. And it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. You had the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. Okay, hold. That, that'll that work right there. And the verse 10 is pretty good right there to hold for a minute. Notice something here. Of course, first of all, we already know what just happened in the previous chapter. Abram, as we know, will later become Abraham. But Abram and his brother... Lot, no, sorry, Noah's movie, as we've already discovered, is not, uh, Lot is not a brother to Noah, okay? But uh, Abram and Lot are coming out of Egypt. Now, Abram had just got done telling what? A little white lie, and this is where some people think it's a-okay, because they'll use this setting of Scripture where Abram just got done from Egypt, got away with what? Telling a little white lie. Sorry, you could call it little all you want. You could call it white all you want. You could color it all you want. And you can size it all you want. But at the end, it's still a lie. But Abram sit there, lied. And because God let him get away with it, so to speak, and blessed him and his brother, and they come out of Egypt with all this cattle and stuff. Abram, you ever have that happen? You get away with something, and you think, okay, well, I got away with it the first time, I'll do it again. 
We're going to find that Abram does just that later in this study. Okay? Okay. Now, think about this. I want you to notice this. Okay? Keep your eyes on remembering this story. When Abram comes out of Egypt, he's gotten all this cattle. Abram thinks, well, you're going to notice later he does the very same dirty, rotten thing. Okay? He does the same dirty, rotten, scheming thing later. Why? Because, well, he got away with it. He figured, I got away with murder. I'll do it again. Uh, hello, uh, sinner friend. How many times have you done it? Like I said, we're going to try to learn something from Abraham. How many times have you done it, Christian? How many times have you, sinner friend, how many times have you told that little thing, maybe went to your boss, went to your pastor, went to your brother, went to your son, and you told this half-truth, white lie, whatever. It wasn't all the truth, but yet, since you got away with it, you told another one to cover up the first one. Well, let me tell you something. If you know anything about snowballs when you went out there and played as a kid and made those snowmen, it didn't take... You didn't start out with that big snowball to make the bottom of the snowman. It always started with that little handful of snow that you started to roll up and then after a while it ended up that big ball of snow. And let me tell you something. An avalanche on the side of a mountain of snow didn't start out as an avalanche. It always starts with that little bit of snow that starts rolling down that mountainside and the next thing you know it's a big, huge wave of snow coming down that side of that mountain and it kills people, trees, whatever gets in its way. Well, that's the way with those... Uh, notice what color is that snow as it's coming down that avalanche. It's white. Uh, that little white lie, it started out little. Hello? And it got bigger and bigger and bigger and it was no longer a little white lie. It was a big white... Okay? So, uh, sorry... Abram thought he got away with it. And finally, now what happens? Now they got a problem they got to work out. But now here's something that Abram did right. You ever notice in the churches when they start having a problem and you end up with a church split, you ever notice it's always a big fight? Why is it that we can't do it this way? We can learn something from Abraham right here. He said, we are brethren. We shouldn't be striving, and that means fighting. We shouldn't be fighting amongst ourselves, in fighting in the middle of the garbage. We're brothers. Now you notice, why? Because Abraham already knew the whole land would be eventually his. Not to mention, since a Lot was his brother, that land would also be Lot's too. He said, basically, look, Lot, it's, this whole land is ours, so uh, wherever you go, it's still your land, and wherever I go, it's mine. So, uh, Lot, if you go one direction, you'll still be in our land, and wherever I go, I'm going to be still in our land. So, take your pick. 
If you go to the right hand, I'll go to the left. If you go to the left hand, I'll go to the right. Why are we arguing? Basically, Abraham said a very common saying. You remember, Ruth, when I say this, you're going to remember this from Little House. Remember what Mrs. Ingle said? Takes two to argue. Takes two to argue. That's what Abraham was saying. Lot, it takes two to argue. Uh, it takes two to argue. Lot takes two to argue. Uh, I'm not arguing with you, Lot. Your your herdsmen shouldn't be arguing with mine. It takes two to argue. I'm not going to argue with you. It's uh, this is stupid. Uh, you want to go? You go one direction. I'll go the. I agree with you. He was saying, Lot, I agree with you. We are getting a little too much here, and eventually it's it's too much. So you take one direction. I'll take the other. And in fact, I'm going to let you have the choice. Now, here's what's interesting. We're going to see who got the dollar marks in their eyes. That's what happens here, okay? Now, Tim, start us out verse 11. Stop right there one sec. Now, do we see something here? Lot got his dollar, Mike, Marks. But at this point, he's not in Sodom. What he sees is all the well-watered fields. He figures, okay, well, if the fields are good, the fields look good, my sheep are going to prosper. See, he's more worried about the fields. And how his cattle are going to fare. Instead of trusting God to take care of that cattle, he's more worried about what he already sees at present. Uh, okay, Christian. Okay, Christian. How about you? Are you worried about what you see at present? Uh, like if God calls you to go somewhere, are you worried about what you see at present? How thick your wallet is. If God says go somewhere, uh, well, I don't exactly have all the money. Or, okay, well, I've got enough money, I'll go. Well, if God calls you and you ain't got enough money, just trust God and say, okay. Lord, I'll go. I'll give you a personal testimony on that front. 
When I was down in Georgia, this is right after I had finished my college education, God told me, because my grandmother was dying of cancer, she had about six months remaining, he said, he, he impressed upon my heart to come back up here witness to her, because she was a Catholic at the time. He said, I want you to come back up from Georgia, come back to Ashtabula. Now, I've already witnessed to this woman several times. But he said, I want you to come back up here. Now, Tim, I did not have nowhere near enough. I didn't even, I, I was just living month to month. Forget money for a bus ticket, which would have cost $200 or more. One way on a Greyhound. I wouldn't have had that kind of money. But he put on my heart to come back up here. And I said to the Lord, I said, okay, Lord, you figure out a way to bring me up here. I'm more than happy to do it. And that kind of ties into my one sermon, soul shopping. Okay. Um, You know, are you willing to pay the price? But um, so I took, I said, okay, Lord, however you're going to provide, I'll go. I'll pack up and I'll just go. I won't even ask a question. I'll just go even if it's just to put a Bible in my hand and and go with the clothes on my back. Well, what was interesting is that very next Sunday, I was scheduled to go to this one, it was a black church, to preach. They wanted me to come in and talk about the blind ministry what was then the blind ministry that God called me to, the beginnings of the blind ministry. So I went there, and I, for some reason, I talked a little bit about it, but what really was impressed upon my heart, I got out the scriptures and started talking about going forth and preaching the gospel. And then I just shared what God had laid upon my heart about going up to Ashtabula. And I... I just basically laid it out. I said, if the Lord would provide somehow, I said, I'm not even worried about going home. I said, I would be in the Greyhound station right this afternoon on the very next bus out of here. That's exactly words I said. Well, I walked outside, and normally, Tim, if you know anything about black churches, they normally take up an offering for the preacher, okay? This church, Ruth, and this is what's funny, that church did not take up an offering for me. They did not. No, it was not, and I'll tell you why. What happened was I went outside started visiting the people outside. What the deacons had done, that message impressed upon them so much about what I said, God impressed it upon them so much, they went in they, while I was preaching, One of those deacons went in, called the Greyhound Station, checked what it would cost to go from Waycross to Ashtabula. They got the ticket. They paid for it because they went and talked to the pastor. Then they called me back in, called me while I was talking to these people. They called me back into the pastor's office, told me about it, and they said, one of our Deacons will take you over to the bus station and get you your ticket. I said, uh, they said, do you need to stop at your house? I said, nope, I got my Bible. I'm wearing the only clothes I need. I'm out of here. I said, 
I said, just like I said in my message, I will be on the next bus out of here. I'm wearing the only thing I need to wear. I'm ready to go now. And I was on the next bus out. And I came up here. I came up to Ashtabula. Got off that bus, and the first place I went, I didn't even worry about where I was going to sleep that night. Went right over to where my grandmother was staying with my Aunt Jean. And I walked straight up to And here's what was funny. She said that she had been praying for God to send me up here. Because she knew that she was dying. And she knew that I was the only one that could lead her to Christ. And I said, well then... That's why I'm here. And then I told her what God had called me to do. So I opened up the Bible. I showed her the way. She accepted Christ. And that was the end of it. Now, the interesting thing is, Lot, we find, is standing. He's more worried about the bucks. Why? Because he sees the well-watered plains. He's not in Sodom yet. But that's always the first step toward going the wrong direction. When you're more worried about not following God, you're more worried about bucks. When you're more worried about bucks, then you are following truth. And I'm sorry to say, most churches, you go in them, the first thing, what do you see? They're dwelling upon the golden idol. Amen. All right, Tim, you want to take us through a couple more verses here? Okay. Chapter 14, Genesis. Keep it past the days of Amor, king of Shion, Ariath, king of Elasar, Shadurlamur, king of Elam, and Fidal, king of these made war with Gerah, king of Sodom, with Beershah, king of Gomorrah, Shinah, king of Adma, and Shemeber, king of Zidon, the king of Bela, which is Zoar. All these were joined together in the Vale of Sil, which is the Salt Sea. Twelve years they served Chephalamah, and in the thirteenth year they rebelled. In the fourteenth year, King Philomar, the king that were with him, smote the refuse in Ashtoreth, Thornium, and the Zuzans in Ham, and the Eons in Sheba, Kiriathan, and the Horites in their Mount Seir, unto El Paran, which is by the wilderness. They returned and came to and Mishpah, which is Kadesh, smote all the country of the Amalekites, and also the Amorites, well in it. This is tomorrow. There went out the king of Sodom and the king of Gomorrah, the king of Adma and the king of Zidon and the king of Philip, famous Zoar, they joined battle with them in the Vale of Sidon. 
going to just have a short little comment here, but we're going to pick this up in part three. We're going to actually start back in 14 again on part three, but we want us to notice one important thing here that we're going to start with here. You noticed originally in 13, Lot was only outside Sodom, but what happened? All those well-watered plains weren't just enough. Sorry, just like an electrical current, if anybody knows about electricity enough, you know this. A small electrical current, your hand, if you get juiced, you get electrocuted, you'll let go of it. Like 110 volts, like it's in your electricity, in your, like a plug in the wall. But if you get electrocuted by something that's like on your electric stove, that kind of voltage, or something higher, you ain't going to let go of it. But if anything, the muscles in your hand actually tighten around it tighter. Well, it's the same thing with bucks, with money. 
the more you get, the tighter you grip it. Sorry, everybody talks about, well, the more money I have, I'll help people. You are lying. Quit, quit lying. The more money you have, the more you're just going to grip onto it, and the greedier you get. That's why Paul talked about being greedy of gain. Okay? It has to do with selfishness, and that's what happened a lot. He saw the well-watered plains, and the next thing you know, he knew that the people of Sodom were wicked, but where did he end up? Right in Sodom. At first he was outside, then he ended up inside. Uh, sorry, that's where you always end up. The bucks will always attract you. Now, when we come back in part three about the life of Abraham, Jesus take the wheel, we're going to look at Abraham's part in this when the kings did what they did and how Abraham brought Lot out from this capture and the most important thing about this issue of tithing. I want to take a little time on that because we're out of time for this episode. But the most important part where most people talk about in this text, as we just read, about Abraham giving all. There's a comparative scripture we want to read in Hebrews chapter 7, which we'll pick up next time. Oh, we're told, but as many as are the works of the law are under the curse, for cursed. Be everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them, we're told in the book of Galatians. Oh, but here it is. But God committed his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Repent ye, and believe the gospel. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved, and the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, shall cleanse you from all sin, for if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Menial, mortal, sin, whatever you call it, all unrighteousness. God is faithful to forgive those who confess their sins to him through faith in Jesus Christ, his death, burial, resurrection alone. For by grace he is saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. Call upon the Lord today. This is Evangelist Timothy Groover. Till next time, God bless you and yours.